from Ski Tracks, it's the show people talk about. It's Talking with the Gravy Train, your source for Nordic news and one-on-one interviews with current Nordic skiing newsmakers of the day. Sometimes we'll look back and share the rich history of the sport, and sometimes we'll be engaged in the current topic of the day. And now, here's your host, longtime Olympic announcer, Peter Graves. Hello again, everybody. It's Peter Graves. It's another edition of Talking with the Gravy Train from our studio in Hanover, New Hampshire today. And uh, somebody that I, I've wanted to interview for a quite a long time is our guest in studio today, uh, Tara Garrity Motes, uh, the uh, skier who grew up around here, uh, calls West Fairly Vermont home. Uh, well, it's so good to see you and, and have you here. Uh, thanks for coming in. Thank you so much for having me, Peter. It's wonderful to finally sit down and talk with you and also to be home in the Upper Valley again. Yeah, it is. Uh, and that is uh, a home that's powerful to you. I mean, uh, you grew up around here, uh, born in nearby Lebanon, New Hampshire. Um, so this area of the Upper Valley is very, very special. And indeed, you are as well. Uh, I think one of the things that makes you uh, fascinating to me is that you have uh, conquered um, a variety of disciplines in uh, Nordic skiing, you know, from biathlon to the two events that are so sort of diametrically opposed in Nordic combined cross-country skiing and ski jumping. And you've done it at a very high level. Um, And um, I just you know, and shooting and then being able to kick out of the top of a big ski jump. Those are such different things. Uh, The fact that you've mastered them is captivating to me. Well, I wouldn't say I'd mastered all of them, but I've certainly gotten the opportunity to compete in all of them at an international level. And I think growing up in the Upper Valley, I had so many amazing opportunities and was just aware of so many of these amazing Nordic sports. I'm really thankful that I had those opportunities. And and uh, you experimented a little bit with freestyle skiing, I guess, before you kind of uh, went on uh, to uh, around nine years of age to Ford Sayre, the noted club here in Hanover. You jumped there with Tom Dodds, uh, and then uh, you jumped at, at Lebanon as well. Uh, so I, I'm I'm curious, ski jumping, was that highly captivating to you? Well, I had always been one of those kids that was pretty hyper and really enjoyed jumping off things. So, I mean, my mom was thrilled. Instead of jumping off furniture, she could just <laughs> drop me at ski jumping practice and I would have someone supervising me and it would be a safe environment and she could go off and have her nice little ski or go do errands and... No, but I always loved being in the air and I was always captivated by the sport. And I was having a junior practice with Fort Sayre right here um, about a mile away at Oak Hill. Mm -hmm. And I saw the 30 meter jump in Hanover and I kind of asked about it. And soon enough, I was jumping off it. Yeah, it's it's just amazing to me. Uh, You spent uh, some time on the junior national biathlon team. Uh, you've done special jumping, you've done cross-country skiing, and now it has brought you to your most successful year ever, having concluded that winning, winning the uh, uh, Women's Nordic Combined uh, Continental Cup 
10 wins in 10 events. Uh, extraordinary and remarkably consistent. But before I have you answer that question, going into the season, did you expect that you would have those kind of results? I had no idea. Women's Nordic combined is a developing sport, which means there's not a lot of knowledge about where the the level was. So I was for sure hoping to have some medals, and I thought that was well within my ability, but I had absolutely no idea what to expect. Yeah. And, and this season, I mean, uh, the picture of consistency, you won uh, the overall Continental Cup, uh, meaning you were the best uh, women's Nordic combined skier in the in the world. Uh, when they put that bib on you and, and awarded you uh, the overall leadership, what did that feel like? It was amazing. And growing up, I, you know, as you say, I had bounced back and forth between so many sports. But partly that was because women's Nordic combined was really not even allowed. You know, a lot of times when I asked to ski with the boys in Nordic combined events, the answer was no, there's no women's class. So growing up, I had these two sports I really loved, which were ski jumping and cross country skiing. And I just wanted to compete in both of them as long as I could to a point where sometimes my coaches got a little bit upset with me for doing sports and not focusing on on one sport. And it wasn't easy at times. So the fact that I used all those years of experiencing two sports and I put them together this year, it was an amazing if it was amazing feeling to to see that hard work finally finally pay off and and hard work that a lot of people didn't even believe in. And not that they didn't like me as a person or an athlete, it's just nobody knew if this opportunity would ever happen. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was interested this week as an avid New York Times reader. There was a great story, uh, not unexpected, and has been talked about particularly uh, since the last Olympic Games. But it's the success of Norway in youth sports and in our neck of the woods in Nordic skiing, um, where they really talk about a lot of sports play and not specializing in, you know, one event that eight years old or, or, or something. And, you know, arguably the results have been uh, fantastic uh, for Norway, given they have a big talent pool. But but the nation is about the size population-wise of Minnesota, for example. And um, it, it's interesting to me. So l- let me ask you a little bit about the concept of sports play. Uh, did you do soccer and, and a, a, a lot of different kind of sports that work on agility and strength and you know all those kind of things i i always have been an athlete who loves to do any kind of sport and try any kind of sport whether that's rowing or jumping in a trail running race or mountain biking a lot and even doing some races there so i always loved doing everything um I didn't do any team events, um, really. I was homeschooled and I loved doing endurance events, so that wasn't my strong point. But one thing that I've always had a question about in athletics is why we specialize at all and also specialize so soon. Mm -hmm. Um, Here at Dartmouth, you're not expected to just study one topic. Mm -hmm. You know, there are double majors and, and certainly it's expected in your academic career that you have a broad knowledge of the world. And in terms of athletics, I think it's so amazing to learn new sports and also be good at other sports, not just your own, because 
So many times elite athletes get stuck in a rut. You know, there's one problem that they just keep coming back to and they don't know how to deal with it. And I think for me growing up, sometimes when I, you know, stuff on the jumps would not be working out and maybe I wasn't skiing very fast or I had been sick, I would go throw on a pair of alpine skis and go do slalom practice uh, with the Hanover High School coach Mm. just to to do something new and, and get out of the rut. And I think that's really important to keep a broader view on your athletic abilities. Mm-hmm. And uh, do, do you continue to, to do a lot of cross fitness kinds of training in your everyday athletic life now? Oh, for sure. Um, I In the spring, I usually come home and I try to do as much AT skiing as possible, mm-hmm. um, whether it's go out for the day on Mount Washington or just take lunch break and skin up the skiway after the lifts are closed yeah oh that's awesome that's awesome so um tell me a little bit as we look forward to um this coming up season where is women's nordic combined internationally we talked a little bit uh before uh, going on the air uh uh we hope within a short period of time, and I'll let you tell the story, but uh, that um, we'll have official World Cup, uh, World Championships look likely for Oberstdorf. Uh, certainly, uh, we also hope that maybe by Beijing, we'll have it as a, a full medal sport. But rather than me droll on, tell me where we're at now and where we might be going. So there's definitely a huge push from FIS Nordic Combined to to finally grow the sport of women's Nordic Combined. And there's definitely a concern that there is not a huge field right now. But of course, if these girls never had the opportunity to race, they never had coaches, they never had events, there's not going to be a huge field right now. But what I'm impressed to see is that we had consistently about 20 starters on the Continental Cup. And while those events were going on, there was also also youth events going on in Europe that had a good attendance. And that was a huge increase from last year. We also had over 30 competitors at the Junior World Championships, and I believe 12 nations at the Junior World Championships. So that's really what we're looking at. How are the juniors skiing? How are they, how are they getting into the sport? How are the coaches developing the sport? And those are going to be the next wave of skiers uh, that are really going to take the sport to a new level. And does some of this rest in the political realm as well with with FIS and who's pushing it and and all all that stuff or with the IOC? For sure. I mean, with any sport, they're always hoping that more funds will get allocated towards them and and would we have a women's world cup if a huge sponsor stepped forward and paid for it all right now maybe mm-hmm. you know because that's definitely an issue um so yeah there's a lot of political dances going on in the background but i just hope we get more events and and hope i can ski more with a bunch of other passionate women yeah and, and certainly i i would think you would take solace in the fact that uh the you know the the story of women's jumping you know and i always think to the late and Somebody that I I adored and admired her passion, Didi Corradini, who who really took charge of this, along with a number of other people too. But they simply would not take no for an answer, and it started small. And I remember all the fist talk about, oh well, it, it's just too small, and this won't happen. But the fact is, at Sochi, uh, 
it did happen, the first uh, Olympic Games for women's jumping. And the sport is growing and blossoming now. I, I'm hopeful that there are cautionary tales about uh, women's Nordic combined from what the women jumpers had gone through. Yeah, I think FIS Nordic combined definitely saw that, you know, even having the girls helped the whole sport of ski jumping. So FIS is really looking to grow Nordic combined across the map and having women will definitely help with that. I definitely wouldn't mind having a leader like Dee Dee around and for what she did for women's ski jumping, I'm always so incredibly grateful. Yeah, absolutely. It was a remarkable time. Um, and so tell me what other countries are, are sort of nipping at your heels. What other nations have embraced women's Nordic combined in a, in a big way? Well, honestly, Norway and Germany and Italy all have women's coaches. They all have staff dedicated to the women already. They have funding. Um, on the Norwegian side, Magnus Moen, who was a Nordic combined champion himself, is taking over the women's team. So they have, as of right now, they have a huge jump start on someone like me or some of the smaller nations. So definitely even next winter, I'm assuming that they will be taking over some of the wins just because they have funding, they have organization, and they have legacy on their side. So what what is life like for you when you're on the Continental Cup like like this year? Are you do you have a coach there or are you there self-coached? Uh, what what happens in that regard? So I was working with Tamash Matura, who mm -hmm. is the the Continental Cup combined coach for USA Nordic. Uh, he's amazing. He does everything. Slovenian? Uh, no, he's nope. from the Czech Republic okay. and also our wax tech, um, Lucas, was also uh, Czech and he didn't speak that much English, but he made my, my skis really fast. So most teams were there with at least four coaches. Mm -hmm. Tomasz had five athletes mostly and he was doing it all. I mean, he was helping with waxing. He was up on uh, the jump, coaching us for for technique while we were on the hill and he was also on the ski track you know we didn't have the usual which is a cross-country coach and a jumping coach so to have someone that was willing to work that hard all winter long and and organize everything was really amazing um but that being said i hope next year we'll have maybe some more more staff yeah and and uh you were uh you sometimes had teammates with you did did you not uh, yeah so so the men's team um had a full team on the continental cup and it was really i mean i've grown up with some of those those guys i certainly train with them a lot in the summer i don't have women on my team at the same level as me so training with the guys is definitely a huge part of my training mm -hmm. and i was lucky enough in steamboat and park city to be joined by some of the the younger junior girls which was an amazing experience and just to to mentor them and to have them there racing with me was was really huge uh you are 26, as noted earlier, but uh, already uh, I would guess you feel uh, a real role model to the younger girls coming up, uh, a sport that, that you have loved and decided upon in, in Women's Nordic Combined. Uh, what does it feel like to be kind of working aside and, and tendering advice to the younger uh, the girls that are coming up? It feels really special and the great thing about the Nordic Combined family in general and the, and the greater Nordic community in the U.S. is that it's has such a tradition of passing on knowledge to the next generation. You know, my role models were Lindsey Van and Billy DeMong and Todd Ludwig and, and Chris Jones, all of which 
have gone on to coach, but also, you know, now that I'm an older athlete, I just feel it's my job to help the sport grow and, and help answer questions or mentor the younger athletes. And I wanted to ask you a question in terms of uh, media attention. What what did winning these 10 races and winning the overall Continental Cup, has your phone rung more? Has, has this been a story that you've heard? Uh, I mean, I, I could see any number of media outlets from from the times to the new yorker or that that could really do something very in depth on this but again uh what what has life been like since that final race for you this year um for sure i've gotten a lot of contacts from european media Mm -hmm. but honestly you know faster skier hasn't even called me up so there's not that much of a wave of media around Women's Nordic Combined right now. On paper, it doesn't look like such a big deal because it's a Continental Cup. It's not even a World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, there isn't a huge field. So along with trying to to keep my title of best in the world, my job going forward in the sport is going to be helping the sport develop and being a good spokesperson and really getting the word out there about what we're trying to do and, and really make sure there's opportunities going forward that are more than last year. And regarding the Olympic Games, um, perhaps the ultimate manifestation of of a dream of sorts, um, does that feel very far away? Does it feel likely to you? Where do we stand on that now? Um, Of course, I think about it all the time. You know, being best in the world and knowing that you don't even have the shot at an Olympic medal, not because you haven't worked hard enough, but because it's just not there, is hard. But... At the same time, I'm so, so happy that I finally have an opportunity to compete in Women's Nordic Combined and really, really happy that there will be a Women's World Championships in two years. So I think focusing on the World Championships and and trying to use that opportunity to prove that we're ready for games is really the next step and the most important part to focus on. Yeah. Um and now, uh, a little while ago, before we went on the air, we talked about you had had some shoulder or arm injuries, I guess, from from a fall uh, where your binding came off in the air. Tell us a little bit about uh, where you're at uh, in your rehab with that, and is it uh, troublesome to you now? Uh Well, I've had some injuries over my athletic career. I had some knee issues when I was uh, 16, and and those are all healed up, and I don't think about them ever, so that's great. And I had a traumatic fracture to my ulna bone right around my elbow joint. Uh, There was a lot of bone chunks just floating around in my arm, and I completely tore my tricep muscle to bits. So in the season, the Olympic season, 17-18, I was actually competing with a huge amount of metal in my arm to reinforce the bone, and um, I had to have surgery in the following spring to get some of the metal out and also some some more bone chips out. So last spring, I was just trying to get my arm working again and, and finish rehab and and make sure that it was ready for the upcoming season. So that was another big unknown that I had on my plate is, you know, could my arm work again? And this year, I still don't have equal strength. I think I'm at about 70% strength in my injured arm that I was to my other one. So it'll be really cool to see what I can do next year with two equally strong arms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed so. Tell me about, uh, and and I, I, maybe you have to factor in the jumping too, but uh, what do you reckon are your total hours of training in a 
in a given year now? Well, I would say probably around 600, including the jumping. I mm-hmm. actually did surprisingly little cross-country training last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was basically going off what I call base miles, which is all the years that I trained as a junior athlete and all the years that I trained as a biathlete. So just having having that physiological fitness in my body. This year, I want to have a much more comprehensive training plan and do some more hours and have it be much more professional and hopefully see some some better results based off of that. And you do, where do you do most of your jump training? Um, it really depends. I try to start my season in Lake Placid and then go over to Slovenia later on in the season. Mm-hmm. But again, this will be the first year I train just for Nordic Combined. So that's all up in the air right now. And my sponsor, uh, Lake Placid Olympic Sites, who runs the bobsled tracks and the jumps in Lake Placid, are actually investing in the jumps and totally redoing the ski jumps, which is really exciting. They're going to have the 2023 Olympic or uh, University Games there. Right. Yeah. Fantastic. But I won't be able to train there this summer because they're redoing the jumps. So um, that's sort of up in the air and I haven't decided yet. Yeah. So you you spend a lot of time away from home. Uh, What is life like on the road for you? Um, there's a lot of shower laundry. <laughs> no, um, I spend a lot of time away from home, but I really love traveling to so many amazing places and meeting so many amazing people and, and just getting to live my dream. Yeah. The, the cool thing I found, you know, as a teenager, I was always hot to get on the road and get out of Vermont and get out of the Upper Valley. But now that I've grown older, I realize what an amazing place I live in and, and how lucky I am to live where I live. And I always look, look forward to coming home. Yeah. I want to ask you about role models. Um, I know you've been surrounded by a lot of strong women in your life. And um, uh, how um, is there a few you could pick out and said, this person gave me this or that? My mom. I mean, she's she raced mountain bikes uh, before I was born, but she's always doing something athletic like even when it's pouring rain out she's like no we gotta go for a run like i i found this new trail or you know i heard about this new place we can go and just that drive not necessarily to win or compete in an event but just be outside exploring and and doing whatever sport was appropriate for this situation has Mm -hmm. been an amazing amazing force in my life um and on the competitive side right now, I really look to, to Lindsey Van and Annette Sagan because, mm-hmm. you know, having having a goal to attain that has been done before or where you at least have Olympic medals is a lot easier than trying to make a road and go down the road at the same time. Yeah. I mean, of course, it's impossible to predict really where the fates may take us. You know what I mean? Um, but... Right now, you have a dream that um, you're on your way to achieving, and uh, um, uh, and and you've had ups and downs. You've, <laughs> you've had injuries you've had to overcome. You, you've had a, a variety of things that you've had to overcome. I'm going to guess, and I've been reading a lot about the subject of resilience lately. Tell me how you feel about resiliency. Well, it's very crucial in being an elite athlete for sure i mean we've all we've all heard michael jordan say that he's lost or he's uh, missed more shots than he's made Mm -hmm. um or something to that effect and and i guess that's sort of the storyline 
really when you look at any elite athlete of how they overcame their injuries or the times when they weren't funded or the times they didn't make trips. So yeah, I think that's definitely my best skill out there that I have. The other elite women in Nordic combined, um, of course they're all trying to win, uh, but do, is there a special sisterhood or comradeship among many of the elite women that you're all out there beating the drum on behalf of your sport? For sure. I mean, on the Continental Cup this winter, it was a really special circuit because at the end of the day, we were just all thrilled that we were at the starting line. And you don't have that in any other sport. And it was such a special feeling because they all wanted to do the best they could that day, like any athlete would. But they wanted to start Nordic combined their whole athletic career. And they've had to choose between cross-country skiing and ski jumping. And the fact that we got to start was amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so wonderful and uh, to have you and, and, and to talk to you about this. Uh, and, and, you know, having been around a long time in this sport now, I can think back to um, some really seminal moments in in skiing for women like uh, Allison Owen uh, showing up at the 1966 Junior National Championships just for boys and um, having to beg to be let in. And they did with a caveat that they would have an ambulance standing by for her while she beat half the boys uh, at, at the event. The first uh, world championship team for the U.S. cross-country women was until 1970, you mm-hmm. know. Um first uh uh i mean they all, all, so many of these people were such pioneers for women's sport you know and i just admire them greatly because the path has not always been easy yeah and one thing i always remember when i think about the women who have come before me is for everyone you hear about there's probably 25 that you didn't mm-hmm. so for me that's a big question in my career of am i going to be the one you hear about or am i going to be one of the ones who definitely put a lot of bricks in the road, but didn't actually make it to the ultimate goal. And that's a very real concern of mine. Yeah, yeah you're, you're very candid about that. And, and I appreciate that as well as I think the, the viewers or the listeners as well. So next year, I think you said 12 Continental Cup events. Is that right? As opposed to 10 this year? Uh, yeah. So there will be another event added in Eisenert's Switzerland. And the... The calendars are not set in stone. Those are the provisional calendars. So Mm -hmm. we'll see if there's any more changes or any events added. Okay. Well, that covers it, I I, I think, so much. And and our time draws short. But, uh, um, you know, I'm wishing you, first of all, congratulations on the great season you did have. And secondly, wishing you all the best for a great summer and start to the World Cup season. It's, It's so nice of you to come by. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, just thanks for following my story and and always being out there covering the Nordic sports and other sports too. But it's been a real pleasure to talk with you today. Thank you, Peter. You're so very welcome. All the best to you. All right. Well, that will do it for us now. Uh, We've had a a great show today. Thanks for listening, everybody. For SkiTracks.com, I'm Peter Graves. So long for now.